Hello, and welcome to Talks with Sarah No Socks, a podcast about failure and how it's leading us to success. Each week, I sit down on Mondays and share my weekly failures with you, and I'm joined on Fridays with a special guest who's sharing their own story of failure and how that's led to their current success. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Talks with Sarah No Socks. This week, I'm joined by Lena. Lena is a former product manager who quit her day job to follow her entrepreneur and creator journey. She's written her first book, The Making of Product Managers. She joined the no-code, build-in-public community and lots of other community groups. And she's also mentoring early ventures. She's got a couple of products already in the works. So a lot going on with her, but I'm really excited to sit down and hear all about her story. Welcome, Lena. Thanks, Sarah. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show. So we've spoken before. We're both in Launch MBA, and we've spoken a little bit, uh, I don't know, more in a like, maker journey, but we've never chatted about the similar path that we have taken with quitting our corporate job and no backup plan. Yeah, so yeah. before we dive into that, why don't you just give us a little bit more of an in-depth intro into who Lena is? Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, so um, I live in Canada, but I'm not Canadian. I'm Croatian originally. Um, I grew up in Asia, actually, strangely enough. Um, so kind of used to just throwing myself into random situations. So that's what I did last year. Um, I worked in product management for three years. My last job was leading an innovation team as a product manager. So that was where I got my first taste of entrepreneurship. We were basically trying to find new market opportunities for the company, so doing a lot of customer interviews and prototyping new ideas, and I just fell in love with the ideation phase of product management, and uh, six months into the job, the company went through a restructuring, and so they decided not to go forward with the innovation team, and I kind of just basically took that as an opportunity to quit my job for the first time in seven years after not even taking a vacation in between jobs ever for seven years, um, I decided to kind of just, you know, do me. And so February 2020, right before COVID, I decided to leave my job with basically no plan, to be honest, no product mm-hmm. idea. It's not like I was joining a co-founder. I was just like, I'll, I'll just figure it out. So yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Very similar. I mean, I was December 2019, so we were kind of on the same trajectory and didn't even yeah. know it. Um, what's it been like for you? I mean, you talked about not having a vacation in, in seven years in between those jobs. I I did that as well. It was just kind of work, work, work. What's it been like? How's the experience and your emotions been since you left corporate? Yeah. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed the corporate world. I'm not I'm not going to say that I didn't enjoy it. Like I stayed in it for seven years. Like I progressed, I got into tech, I got into product management. I worked a lot of really cool jobs at really cool companies, usually startups and stuff. So I really enjoyed it, but I felt like the whole time I wasn't really, it was partially, I wasn't really progressing at the rate that I wanted to, which is probably Mm -hmm. how every young person feels because we're Mm -hmm. really impatient. But the other piece was, I felt like I had all my eggs in one basket. So it was just the job. And if I didn't progress in the job, it was the end of the world. If I didn't get the promotion or if I didn't get a new job and it was just really, everything was focused on the job. And I remember a couple of years into working in corporate, I started just noticing people like, you know, they, they had speaking engagements. They were doing stuff on the side. They had businesses on the side, which was completely unknown to me I didn't I couldn't fathom like starting a business on the side 
Um, so there was always something sort of missing, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. And then when I quit my job, I was like, oh, I just want to start a company. And I thought that was really the big goal. But honestly, now it's been a year. And when, when I first quit my job, I mean, the first couple of weeks were bliss because I thought mm-hmm. it was so cool. And I was like, you know, I don't work anymore. I'm just an entrepreneur. Like, I'm going to build a company. And like, you just have all these stupid thoughts of like, yeah. I'm going to make everyone's like, it's really hard to build a company. Like, oh, no, like, I'm smart. I'll figure it out. Like, I built products. Like, I know I've got yep. this. Like, you know, I yep. have world experience. Like, we're good. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it's freaking hard. And I think everyone always tells you it's going to be hard, but it wasn't until a couple months in when I finally asked one of my mentors, I was like, you told me it was hard, but like, what did you really mean? Is it the skills? Is it like putting yourself out there? And he was like, yeah, all that's really hard. But I think the biggest part is the mental piece. And and that honestly threw me off. And when he said it, I was like, okay, like I'm not the only one that feels mm-hmm. super just it's like when you leave the corporate world, you're suddenly stripped of your identity, you're stripped of structure, you're stripped of, of, you know, the basic meaning that you had in your life, which it shouldn't have been the only meaning in your life, but you're kind of just essentially just stripped naked. And you're like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? How do I represent myself? And then on top of that, you now have to you know, work on these product ideas, which honestly are really crappy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you just feel like I honestly felt like a fraud for for the longest time. And it's it's just been kind of like a constant roller coaster journey. There've been extreme highs, but mm-hmm. I, I honestly think there's been more lows. But the the shocking thing is is that I've I've never wanted to go back. Um at yeah. least at least up until recently um it's not like I was ever like you know I can't do this it was just kind of like this sucks but I was like no I want to keep doing it right so yeah yeah how's it been for you yeah I think uh mental health for sure is the un uncracked egg that nobody talks about when it comes to entrepreneurship they talk about making money and oh you're gonna lose money and everything surrounds around money and to me yes your mentor was exactly right it it, I've said over and over again, it is a test of mental fortitude. You have to believe in yourself when the entire world says, you can't do this. This Mm -hmm. is impossible. This isn't the way that it's done. You have to do everything and be all the things. And it's extremely rewarding, but the mental tasks that fall on you and the emotional expenditure that comes along with that has to be learned. It's Mm -hmm. either something that you, you can do with the help of a support system, be that family or friends, communities, all the above for myself, sometimes Mm -hmm. professional help, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. these are our life struggles that not everybody goes through and and it does bring on its own unique set of challenges. So I think very wise mentor there. I'd love to open up the discussion more around mental health in general, but especially within the kind of entrepreneurial or freelancer, maker space, whatever you're calling yourself. If you're doing it on your right? own, it's like, we're I don't all even the same know boat. Call, like every week I just call myself a different thing. So I'm just not comfortable with it, no. but you, I know. Care, right? yeah. yeah. How's that been trying to explain to uh, folks in your life who maybe have a more traditional path and they ask you, what do you do for a living? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. Cause like when I first, um, when I first got out of university, I worked, um, I started in customer service and operations and I was working at an English language testing company for immigration. So I had my fair share of experiences of trying to explain oh, yeah. what I do. Cause everyone's like, you teach English. I'm like, no, I don't. We do testing. 
Um, and then product management, not everyone got it, but this is like, this isn't like, I need to explain to you what I do. This is like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I need to kind of explain to you. Right. And, and I really, I really struggled because when I first quit my job, I, I didn't feel like I could call myself an entrepreneur because I hadn't even tested an idea yet. Right. So right. I was like, okay, that's dumb. I'm just gonna, I don't know. I'll just stick to like product management and technology, just something like random. Um, but as I started kind of testing ideas and when I wrote my book, I, I kind of, you know, it's frustrating because I saw, I saw a tweet recently where someone was like, oh, like you're only an entrepreneur if you've started a business. And I was kind of like, you know what? Like, I don't really agree with that. Cause like, mm -hmm. first of all, most entrepreneurs fail. Like most ideas, right. at least the first few ones fail. Yep. And the thing is like looking at it from my perspective, like I quit my freaking job for this. Like I put mm -hmm. my life on the line. Like you know, I'm dealing with the, the aftermath of the mental, you know, challenges with it and the societal challenges. Like, you know, right. sometimes you just feel like you just don't have a job and people look at you like you're unemployed. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's fair to say that, like, I, I honestly, like, in a way, I do think I'm, I'm an entrepreneur because I am taking yep. a risk and I have tested ideas. So I've kind of finally gotten comfortable with, like, sort of classifying myself as like an early yep. entrepreneur. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the, the biggest really challenge was just realizing that after I quit my job, I actually didn't have an identity outside of my job. Mm -hmm. And for the past year, I've basically been building that identity and figuring, and like, I didn't know what it was. Right. And it literally, honestly, it was only until a couple weeks ago that I did like a little rebrand for like my look or whatever on like LinkedIn and Twitter. And I'm actually sort of like, okay, like I can, I can kind of explain what I am, but yeah. it, it's still really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Uh, same. I think uh, it's interesting, right? Because we do wrap ourselves up with our corporate identity and I don't know why that happens. Some people can disassociate very well, but I was never able to do that. It didn't matter what job title I had. That's who I was. Like when I was a floor nurse, I was a floor nurse and then I was a clinic nurse and then I was, you know, a, a informaticist and I just embodied that when I left, I did the same as you. I wasn't sure what to call myself. I knew I wanted to start a company and go from there. And I thought I'd do consulting. So I was like, oh, I'm a product strategist. <laughs> that sounds like a great title, right? Like, what the hell does that do? Nobody sounds knows. It's fine. So it's good. Right. It sounded great. It looked fabulous on all the things. But um, yeah, with you, I have no idea what the label is. I'm like, I make things. I'm a creator. I really, you know, like podcasting. So I do that and YouTube videos and tutorials and websites and design and I can't define what it is that I do. And I feel like that is probably more telling for me in my journey that I'm comfortable not having a label and not being able mm -hmm. to package it up nicely. It feels a bit more unique and mm -hmm. authentic as opposed to the resume or, you know, mm -hmm. job title that comes across the, <laughs> the hiring service. No, exactly. And I mean, I think there's something to say for that. Like if, if you can just define yourself with one title, I, I think that's a problem because this day and age, people don't just work in a job for 50 years. Like even if they work in the corporate world consistently, a lot of people are coming up with like personal brands on the side. They have podcasts, they have blogs, like they have side businesses. And, you know, just having one label is honestly not really acceptable anymore. So I think the more you have, it's just a question of it takes time to figure out like, 
how do you kind of like put it all together so that people can understand who you are? And that, that comes with time. And honestly, everyone's figuring it out. So, and then that's been like a huge learning for me as well, which is like, everyone's still figuring it out. And it's so shocking. Like I recently connected with um, a founder who actually is in the process of selling his company. We met through the mentorship program that I'm part of at, at the university here um, mm -hmm. for venture teams. And I jumped on a Zoom call with him the first time. And honestly, I was really intimidated because I was like, okay, this guy sold a company. Like, he's legitimate. Right. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. And I got on the call with him and it was crazy because he was looking at me and he was like, oh, like, I feel like you have it all figured out. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I would kill to be in your position. Like, you're selling your first company and you're like three years younger than me. But that was just such an where he was like yeah we have he brought up the whole thing with like he's like honestly like technical co-founders are a little bit over he's a technical co-founder and he's like they're a little bit overrated because honestly I what he thinks is really valuable is like a co-founder who has a big distribution and a personal brand they have a good network and okay. stuff and yeah. and that was so eye-opening to me where it's like people that you think that you know you look up to and you think they've got it all figured out and you're just this kind of pity case on the side they actually see you as having things figured out and you're like, holy crap. So it, it's interesting. And that's what this yeah. journey has taught me as well, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think I tweeted something similar this morning that like everybody's just figuring it out. They're just not as vocal about it. Like Nobody exactly. has their shit together. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. the other piece that people aren't vocal about is like the failure that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Just, Just the amount of products that people have tried like even um <clears throat> like drew riley the founder of um, trends vc mm -hmm. he literally didn't make income like i think it was like 30 36 months or something mm -hmm. until he found yep. trends vc and yep. and you know you don't really know this unless you listen to like a podcast with them but as you start digging deeper people have struggled for a really long time so it's really it's really frustrating because I feel like people still don't really get it. And I worry, which I hate that I worry about this, but I honestly work because now it was just my one year anniversary of quitting my job on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Everyone's like, happy Valentine's Day. I'm like, I don't care about that. I'm still freaking out about the fact it's been a year. And I'm really scared that people are thinking like, oh, like why haven't she started a company yet? Like what's mm -hmm. wrong with her? But it's yeah. just like, and, but when, and when I try to vocalize that to other people, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of worried that people think that. And a lot of people are like, hell no, like, it's yeah. so hard. Nobody like, that. how can you do it in a year, right? So it's kind of like this weird, like warped reality where you think people think this way. Some people do, but a lot of them don't. And then it really gets in your head and, and you just end up honestly feel, at least I do, like often just feel like a complete failure, even though I'm honestly doing in some people's eyes more than they're doing. And they're just maybe in a job working nine to five and they don't have anything else going on, right? So it's yeah. like, can be a little unforgiving. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like I'm living in the matrix 90% of the time because I have the self view that I'm doing nothing and not enough at all times. It's and then crazy. I I speak to people that have a nine to five and they tell me all of the things that they've been doing outside of their job. And I'm like, I don't have time to do any of that. Do you know all the stuff that I just did? And then I'm like, wait a minute here. Yeah, <laughs> What's yeah. going on? No, but I'm with you. And people don't share like how many of those things they're doing and they don't work, right? Like they've tried things. You spend 
months on a social media strategy on one platform and it completely flops. And now you feel like you've wasted all of that time and energy, you know, and you're just constantly going through all these little iterations while you're trying to think of the next product or platform or, you know, way to become a, a consultant or freelancer. And what are you trying to do to make money? And I've been very open and honest on my podcast about the like almost no dollars that I made last year. <laughs> you know, I, it's just one of those things that until you figure it out and find something that sticks. Yeah. None of us are making any money. We had a plan. So I have a bank account for that. But much like you said, I really thought in my first year that I was going to make six figures, right? That's what they tell you. You can quit your job and make more money. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll make six figures. This will be great. (laughs) I'm like, did I make five grand? I don't even know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. It's, it's, it's really tough. And then it doesn't help because And this is like my bad for letting it get to me, but it's like just Twitter honestly kills me sometimes because I feel like everyone's just making money. They're making pre-sales and they're doing this and they're doing that. And it's just kind of like you can't help but feel like it looks like they make it look really easy, obviously, because everyone wants to put their best foot forward. But then the effect of that is like you end up feeling like a complete like, what am I doing wrong? Like, wait, but like, how come I didn't do this? And, but as you start digging deeper, you understand like, oh, either they got really lucky or like before they tried something or, but, but it's like on the surface. And, and honestly, that's, that's probably what gets me the most. Just, yeah, the feeling that everyone else has got something going on and, and I don't. And I think one of the issues is that Like, you can't really quantify learning. Like, you can quantify revenue. Great, you make 20K. Okay, now I know kind of the level that you're at. But it's not like I can be like, hey, like, I learned, you know, copywriting and content management and, uh, you know, all this other, like, cold outreach and all this stuff this year. Like, it's not like I can slap a price on it, right? So it's kind of hidden. And then you end up discounting it yourself because it doesn't translate into success, right? Air quotes. Yep. So it's, it's, it's just a mental battle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, social media can mess with your head and do the comparison game. So I try really hard, uh, to just be really happy for those folks. And I really curated my feed, especially lately. I started, you know, following less and less people just because I really wanted to follow people one that I actively engage with and enjoy their content. Mm -hmm. And two that I kind of know most of their journey so that it Mm -hmm. doesn't mess with me because I, I fell victim to that a lot over the summer of last year. I was on Instagram we can talk about that. That was terrible. I don't recommend it to anybody. (laughs) This is soul sucking to me. Um, but I was on Instagram and noticing so many people were like, Oh, they just signed a $30,000 client. Oh, they just signed a $50,000 client. And it just really messed with my head and sent me into a huge downward spiral. So I think it's really important to do a little bit of self auditing and as hard as it can be sometimes to put it down or step away or say, no, I'm not going to do this it's very freeing and you feel much better about yourself after you do it because every path is, yeah, you know, every path is unique and there's always going to be people ahead and always going to be people behind. And when I stop and remind myself of that, and that's why sometimes you'll see me tweet it because I need the reminder that I'm Mm -hmm. comparing myself to others and I shouldn't be, Mm -hmm. and I should be proud of the things that you say you can't quantify with dollars, but the, the value that you now can offer to potential who knows what 
mm-hmm. is not quantifiable. And, and that's something to be really proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this, I was thinking on it the other day when I was running, it's like, they always tell you compartmentalize your life and don't mm-hmm. let different parts blend in. But actually when I was running, I was like, that's actually what my problem has been over the past year. Because as soon as I left the corporate world, along with stripping my identity, I, I also incorrectly felt like I was stripped of all my experience. Because once mm-hmm. you get into the entrepreneurial world, it's a right. whole new set of skills, right? Yeah. And agreed, I don't really know. I didn't really know how to tweet. I still probably don't know how to tweet very well. Like I didn't really know how to do cold outreach. I didn't really know how to build a landing page at all. But, but it's like, those are new skills, but mm-hmm. I'm still a skilled person. Like I have seven oh, years experience in the corporate world, but for some reason it didn't translate to me. And I really like treated myself as some sort of a beginner. And I remember when I started mentoring at the startup accelerator at the university here, like one of the organizers one time actually like messaged me and he's like, Hey, like stop putting yourself down, like stop like framing yourself as some sort of a beginner like you have product management experience like not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur here you can still I was like holy crap like you're right like I'm not some like you know tiny little student who doesn't know what they're doing you know and so and and just taking it another step as well it's like you know I, I have like the most amazing husband on earth like I'm so lucky that I found him and like I'm really healthy I have a sick apartment that I live in here, but like somehow that doesn't translate at all into my success. I'm like, no, but I'm a failure. I don't know what I'm doing. But when you look at some of these people, like, yeah, maybe they're making 20K in pre-sales. This is why my husband said, he's like, you know, I'm happy for them. And I hope that their life is great. But he's like, that doesn't have to be the case. Like maybe they haven't found the love of their life. Maybe they're living in a crappy living condition. Like maybe they have other issues that are going on. Like don't, don't assume that just because they figured this one, figure this thing out, that mm-hmm. everything else is perfect. Like there are other right. parts in your life that are great, right? So yeah. just reminding that and not putting all your life's ambitions and your self-worth mm-hmm. into this transient phase is so important. Yeah. But I just, I seem to like forget that very often, which is very ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I always say we never know what everybody's story is or what's going on. Uh, great point. I too have an amazing, amazing supportive husband. I tell him every day I would not be able to go through this without him. Literally. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, there's just no way. Um, and I think it's really fascinating what you touched on there that, you know, behind the scenes, what is it? And we've seen that in here in the States and Hollywood success, and I'm sure in other places around the world, even billionaires, you know, they can be woefully unhappy. So money is not usually the best, uh, indicator of success. It can feel like validation, but it, we shouldn't take it as self-validation It's validation for the thing that we built. And I think the further we can distance ourselves from the things that we're building or doing and kind of de-identify for them, the better off we'll be because that way the money ebbs and flows will just be that ebbs and flows. And that's the status of life. It's always going to ebb and flow the money situation. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think that's really great. Yeah. You're very hard on yourself. Um, I do that as well. So I understand it's, it's easier. It's said so, than done. it's so weird. Like, I don't know, like my husband was telling me the other day, so basically I spent my whole weekend, like touching up my website and honestly, like it did not end well. It was like, <laughs> It ended in tears every time. And I just kept going back. And I was just like, I need it to be perfect. Like, it's not good. My husband's like, it looks fine. I'm like, no. 
And he's like, you know, and then we're eating dinner later and he's like, it's really interesting. Like, I will literally explain to you exactly how something that you've done is great and it's not anything to be ashamed of. And and you'll listen to me and you'll agree, but I know it like doesn't click in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. Like it literally does. Like I'll make any excuse. Like at one point I was like, you just don't know websites. And he's just like, okay, like, you're crazy. <laughs> But it's like, literally, my mind is just like, no, like, it can't be. And it's honestly like an illness. Like, what the hell? (laughs) It's not. I think it's this interesting phase that I'm in as well that I'm kind of, I wouldn't call it perfectionism because I'm not aspiring for it to be perfect, but Mm -hmm. I just feel like it isn't an accurate representation of what I can do. And so Mm -hmm. everything I put out, I want to be the best possible thing that I can do. Yes, it'll be flawed, but when I feel like it's not up to my standards, that's where I get stuck and I can't yeah. move ahead, uh, which has been very tricky for me. <laughs> it sounds like it's for you. Yeah, well. yeah. I'm still but, still learning to it's, – it's different when I like it, – it's a little different when I build products because I'm a little more comfortable just rolling <laughs> out like a crappy MVP. Maybe because like I've been a product manager and I, I, I've experienced the pain of building software that no one wants. So I have like a, a fear of it. But yeah, something to do with like either my image or like my website or, or like I, I just I think it's like compensating, like overcompensating for the fact that like I don't think I have it together. So like, no, my website must be perfect because right. I want to. It, it's also like an impatience. Like I'm a very, very, very impatient person. Uh-huh. And so if my website doesn't look like someone like I just recently started following um, Kaylee Moore. She's like a freelance <laughs> light writer. She, she's awesome. I love her, her newsletters and stuff. And her website's awesome. And like, you can tell she looks pro, she has coaching and all this stuff. And, and there I am on the weekend. I'm like, I want to look just like her. Like, why am I not there? My husband's like, oh my God, she's been doing it for seven and a half years. I'm like, no, like, it's just not good enough. And you just like, like, I have this unrealistic standard of myself that no one on earth has. Yeah. I know. I've, I need the secret on how to break that. I would share it with you right now, but I have no idea. Well, if <laughs> I can find figure out, it out, I will definitely let you know. And we'll for sure figure it out together. Yeah, it'll be fine. I think, I think it's interesting that you touched on your okay shipping products that are not, uh, you know, up to snuff per se. I guess that's the wrong term, but maybe it is. I don't know. I've shipped MBTs too that I'm like, oh, this is probably not what you bought the door, but let's test it and validate it anyway. I know you've shipped some products recently. So why don't you talk to us about the products that you have? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I'll start with kind of the latest one that I've been working on, which is called Hypothesisly. So I'm famous for naming things in ways that are really annoying to pronounce. Um, but so basically it's a tool that helps venture teams going through startup accelerators, organize their hypotheses and then all their customer interview data and basically amalgamate amalgamated in a way that's easy to compare. Um, while I was mentoring a bunch of teams at the startup accelerator, I just noticed they were struggling with trying to build things in Excel and then trying to keep everyone updated and mm-hmm. even just like, you know, writing down their hypotheses. Like some of them just had different versions depending on the team member. And so I figured like, you know, I'll just build something small for these people. Um, so my husband actually built the, the prototype in uh, Google Sheets in like two weeks. Um, and yeah, we rolled it out to a couple people. I'm actually running like a pilot right now at a startup accelerator in uh, Eastern Canada. Yeah. So that's been like, I think I have about like four or five people using it. Um, I was building in public on Twitter. So I think I got like a bit of an email list, which, which is always interesting. Like when you build in public, I feel like 
at least for me, what's happened is I kind of just end up with an email list of people that like think I'm cool or they're like interested, but I don't think they're necessarily the target customers. Right. Um, but it's still like nice to get um, some sort of feedback and stuff. Um, that's been my latest one. I think the biggest mis- mistake I made with that was um, not validating like the willingness to pay early enough. So mm. I kind of just assumed that startup accelerators would pay for it, which was wrong. Right. They don't have the money and they don't want to pay for tools for teams and stuff. Um, so right now it's kind of just like a passion project. It's me and my husband's like first project together. So yeah, um, that was like super fun. Um, other than that, yeah, I wrote my book which was really cool. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of a, it was like a therapeutic, but painful experience. I yeah. bet. Writing I books it. is very hard. Yeah, yeah. I wrote it like right as the pandemic was hitting too. So it was kind of like a weird, weird experience. Um, and then the very first product I ever worked on, that was probably the most embarrassing MVP. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it was, you know, I'm was, big on failure, so let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, so the, this this is the one about failure that I was going to talk to you about, yeah. Um, so the product is called Hippokite, like mm-hmm. a hippo and a kite. Yep. God knows what came over us. Um, but so when I first started working, um, my mom actually recommended that I write down what I do on kind of like a weekly or monthly basis in a job. And then later I'll know what I've done. And like when I have a performance review, it'll be useful. And then eventually when I look for a job, like I'll just have kind of like this library of experience. Right. So I did it actually for like five years. Um, and every time we had a performance review, I was the one that just, I just copy and paste reformat and I was done. Everyone's just like staring at a blank screen. And I was like, that's too bad for you guys. Um, (laughs) and so when I first quit my job I was like okay like I laid down all my ideas and that was the first one and I was like okay let's roll with it like you know it's it's not the worst um and so I taped together this like terrible MVP it was like I think it was like it was like a google form so the goal of it is basically write down your accomplishments Mm -hmm. um and then you kind of have this library and you have these weekly reminder emails that give you a survey link and you fill out the survey and then it goes into this Google sheet. Yeah. But the thing is like I had to manually move all the data to the multiple Google sheets cause I didn't know how to make it. So everyone had their own Google sheet, gotcha. super like ghetto. So it was like, it was kind of like the wizard of Oz, right? Like <laughs> I, the wizard of Oz, like um, technique where I'm just secretly doing it all in the right. background. Behind the curtain. And I remember some people like asked me, they're just like, hey, like, how are you like doing all this data? And I was like, ah, like, I mean, it's like kind of like got a couple manual steps. It's like, um, but I actually ran, I ran a beta with it for a couple weeks. I think I had like 10, 15 people on it. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the biggest kind of failure, honestly, with it, it wasn't the MVP, like it wasn't the idea, like everything honestly was was fine, given that it was my first product. But mm-hmm. my biggest failure with it is that I never followed through with it. Mm-hmm. And after the beta, I just I just felt really discouraged because mm-hmm. especially it was like my first experience and you think that it's like you build a product and everyone just comes and it's like this great mm-hmm. party and then you, you do it and you're just like, oh crap, like people don't really care about this. Right. And I kind of just felt stuck. And I was like, and I had so much doubt in my mind that I just assumed that I'd gotten it wrong. And I was like, that's it. That's the, that's the one product. Like I need to move on to the next one, but I never like tried to keep going with it. 
And it kind of just died this really sad, slow death where yeah. I kind of just like pushed it in the corner and like <laughs> I, I built it in the dark. Like I didn't want to talk to anyone about it. Like oh, even the few yeah. people that I'd interviewed in the early days, like I was like, oh, like I don't even want to talk to them anymore. Like this is so embarrassing. Anytime anyone brought it up, I was just so humiliated. But I think like I was more humiliated and frustrated by the fact that like I had left it in this like no man's land and what kills me the most and why it is my one of my biggest failures is because here and there people will come across the project and they'll be like this is cool I I even had a girl who were in a slack community together and she ended up like checking out my website and she's like I love this product she's like I do this. I've trained my teams in the past to do this. And we actually collaborated for like four weeks together. And we were like trying to plan out how to bring it back to life. Um, She ended up getting a full-time job. So she ended up like not, we stopped collaborating. But even like a couple weeks ago, I was talking to this VP of operations and he was like, I actually really like it. He's like, I'm sort of getting my teams to kind of do something. So I find when it comes to the performance review, I don't really know uh, what they've been doing and stuff. So he's like, there's something there. So I actually have a chat with him next week just to kind of like figure out what it is that he's looking for. But so it, it's like the idea that got away. It's like, mm-hmm. it still torments me to this day. Like every couple of weeks, I'll be like, oh, like hypocrite. Like, I feel like there's something there, but I just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And And maybe if I had, maybe if I had like, built in public more or just been more open about it or just Mm -hmm. just basically showed it to more people and that's what I did with hypothesisly like I just forced myself to show it to like 50 to 100 people I was like I don't care if they hate it I'm just gonna literally force myself to show it to them and it opened honestly some pretty like unexpected doors around like some potential consulting new connections like blah 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 Um, but yeah, with Hippocrite, I feel like it was, it was like a wasted opportunity and it could have been like my debut to like build in public. And, you know, I'm this new creator. Cause I think at that time I thought that failure was just failure and it's just unacceptable and you can't share it and you have to like hide it in the back. But now I realize I could have used all that journey and those learnings to build an audience. But instead, all I'm left with is this half baked product with a landing page that just says like, sign up for the next version like it's been a year it's like it's just so embarrassing but I'm hoping to pick it back up one day just to like give myself some respect yeah Yeah, I don't think you should well it's easy for me to say but failure or not I think there's a lot of opportunity that I hear you talking about you know you didn't know how to move the data well we have a ton of automation tools now. You could rebuild it on, you know, one of the other platforms. You could even keep it in Google. And there's a couple of new tools that you can help visualize data on Google Sheets. So lots of opportunity there. I think um, my mind automatically goes to app and white label it and mm-hmm. send it out. You know, I think there's there's just a lot of opportunity, especially if you still have folks to this day reaching out. Yeah, yeah. do it, man. I think... Um, it's interesting that you talk about that you should have shared that experience. It's kind of how I feel about my whole first year. Yeah. I I shared some, but more starting the end of the first year. And I went in with lofty goals of blogging every day and videoing myself every day. And, and it was terrifying. <laughs> so I can appreciate the, you know, not wanting to share the kind of failure in public. Um, 
because it, it is scary until you're kind of used to it and realize that it happens to everybody all the time. And it's hard, it's just the way in the beginning. Cause like you yeah. just, you, you don't know what you don't know. And you just, the imposter syndrome is so much worse than before. Like right now I'm honestly more comfortable being like, you know what? Like hypothesisly in, in a way it failed because I wanted to monetize it and I didn't monetize it, but I'm like, you know what, Jesus Christ, like I don't really care anymore. But when you're in that moment, it's like you've just quit your job. Like you have no identity. Like right. you don't even, I didn't even know if I was going to keep doing this. I was like, crap, like maybe I'll quickly like return to like secretly return to the corporate world <laughs> before anyone realizes yep. I've done this yep. crazy thing. So it's just, you're in this like little shell of like paranoia and doubt and just this yep. dark little place. And like, you don't realize that all you have to do. And it was literally, I think like September last year, where I was like, you know what? Like I officially don't care anymore. I'm just going to mm-hmm. share everything you don't like it like I may not have made it but like I failed and that that's an accomplishment now and maybe you can learn from me right and it actually worked and I was like all I have to do is share my journey like really it's like I know you don't don't realize that in the beginning it's so it's so tough yeah you don't and I think it's really important I've talked with some folks who are on the same journey as us but have just recently started it you know less than a year and are always reaching out and asking like, what do you wish you had known? What's Mm -hmm. something you can tell me? And I feel like we always can learn from other people's experiences and sharing that is so important, Mm -hmm. but it's terrifying because you think, what if nobody cares and I'm just, you know, sharing with the void or what if people judge me or what if I want to go back to corporate America and they see that tweet and heaven forbid, and you know, I mean, you just get all in your head and everything is overcomplicated. It doesn't need to be, but it's definitely I think the biggest, something you learn. The biggest person that kind of inspires me for this is, I don't know if you know Alex West. Mm, I just recently started following He's him. He's yep. honestly like amazing. I've watched, I think I watched like two podcasts with him. He's just like such an interesting character. Like he's very, he just got a really interesting attitude. And so he basically, he blogs every day. Like he's, he's insane. Mm-hmm. So I think he, he, he built like 19 products until he mm. finally found cyber leads. Yeah. And recently he tweeted saying, I think like his, his side business has now tripled his original salary of his income and in like Greece yeah. and stuff. So he's finally made it. But like, man, like that guy struggled for for three years I think or if not three and a half years just building stuff that didn't work but he just still kept blogging he kept just like talking about it and it's just like I I respect him so much like I honestly respect him more than anyone who's built like a unicorn like I don't care about unicorns this guy's really like humble he has the right values the right attitude and he's like Mm -hmm. one of the biggest inspirations to me yeah, very cool. I like I said, I just tuned into his content, so I'll have to check it out more. What advice would you give to folks who are just starting out on this journey? <laughs> I think like it, it's so scary, but just share your ideas because there's so many things that like like when I worked on I worked on this e-commerce project last year with like two partners. We were trying to build a marketplace. It, it didn't work out, obviously. <laughs> I'm not I'm not the founder <laughs> of a marketplace. <laughs> Surprise. Um, but that was the first time that I literally just like anyone I talked to, I was like, yep, this is what I'm working on. And it made such a big difference. Like I didn't do that with my book either, but particularly this e-commerce project, I think because I was working with these two partners and I was the executionary, they were eventually going to be on the board. And so I really wanted to like impress them. I was really scared. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know much. So you kind of like push yourself to do more. Right. right? And you're kind of accountable to 
with other people. And the amount of feedback that I got, the amount of like referrals for people to talk to, the amount of industry information that I got, like just even just people poking holes in the idea and me being mm-hmm. able to defend it yeah. was huge. And so I think honestly, like sharing your ideas, sharing what you're working on, because not only are you going to get feedback on your ideas, people are going to tell you what makes sense and what doesn't make sense, but mm-hmm. you're also going to start attracting people that do stuff like that. Because as soon as mm-hmm. I started, I was like, oh, I'm working on this marketplace. So I'm looking at this, like da, da, da. Then people are like, oh, I'm actually like in this area a little here, like doing this, like maybe we can partner up in the future. And I think I met about like 10, 15 people that were like, oh, maybe we can like, you know, start something in the future together, like a project or like a startup or something. And like it helps you create that ecosystem and it also helps you feel more part of that ecosystem, right? You're like, yeah, like I am doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And like this other person that's building a startup, like, yeah, we're doing similar stuff. So it really fights the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's so counterintuitive because the only thing you want to do when you're starting out is just like hide in a corner. Mm But you just have to freaking break out and just be like, this is what I'm doing. And and it just all starts like rolling the right way from there. Right. I I think that's honestly the biggest piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing advice, especially what you touched on with finding other people. It is so lonely when you start out on this journey. And even if you have the most amazing support system, you know, we both touched on our husbands, they're not in our shoes. And as much as they try and empathize, it's still alone in your head. Like it's sad. Yep. It sucks and for them too. Yeah. It really does. I know. I keep telling my husband we need to have a an episode and he's not sure he wants to do one yet. But I think it's really interesting to chat with, you know, and get their perspective. Yeah, yeah. But for you to share your journey, I, I absolutely agree. You know, if you're you're doing this in public, there are gonna be people who are on the same path and can absolutely relate and you'll form connections that are lifelong because you're going through something and on a similar path and that just naturally leads to connection. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's great I advice. I think the absolutely. other thing with it as well is that um, like one crazy learning over the past year, again, super counterintuitive, is people always assume that it's like you need to, you know, have like a PhD or you need to have like 10 years right. experience to be perceived as someone who can speak on a topic. Like I'm not even saying expert here, but you really don't. And as soon as I started sharing what I was doing, like my e-commerce project, I did a lot of cold outreach. So I wrote this like postmortem article on it. And I had people coming up to me later be like, hey, like trying to do cold outreach. Like, how would you do this? Like, how would you do that? And I was like, wait, you're asking me? And I was like, yeah, like you you did this stuff. Like, you know, you, you surely you can help me. And I was like, no, no, I'm more than happy to help you. But I'm just shocked. Like, really? Yeah. Like out of all people. And what I've realized is there's something about like, when someone takes the very few steps to figure something out, mm-hmm. because that's a lot more relatable. Cause if someone who's a complete, like, you know, 30 years experienced professional, it's like, it feels really far away. And if they're like, Oh, this is how I did it. You're like, ah, like you probably have so much like background. Like I can mm-hmm. never follow your instructions. But if it's someone like, Hey, like, you know, I kind of just tried this thing. It sort of worked. People want to know, like, what were those first steps? And they know that you can play that back to them very effectively. And so by sharing what you're doing, you're actually becoming perceived as someone who can speak on a topic. Mm -hmm. Um, Daniel Vassallo actually talks about this in his Twitter course and also in several podcasts where he talks about, like, write write a blog post that's, like, your credibility asset. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, it all it takes is one blog post. Like, just write a blog post about something, about how you did something. And then now you have the authority to chat a little bit about that topic, right? And right. it happens much quicker than you think. And that that's kind of the other great side effect of just sharing mm-hmm. what you're doing. People are like, oh, shit, she's figured it out. Like, oh, she didn't, mm-hmm. she didn't know. Now she's figured it out. Oh, maybe I can quickly make that transition to make those first steps, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to connect the dots for people. And I I think that's a really interesting point I hadn't thought of that you touched upon that folks who have a lot more industry experience do feel unrelatable and out of touch. And I don't mean out of touch, like out of touch with the industry, just out of Mm -hmm. touch for me as a person. I want to chat with someone who is, you know, maybe a year or two ahead um, and then go to that 30 year person for you know, okay, well, here's my 10 year vision and, and mm-hmm. how do I get there? But exactly. absolutely. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's a great point. Definitely. So what's the future look like for you? You have any immediate plans, long-term plans you want to share? Yeah. Good question. Oh man. It's like, um, it, it's been really interesting. Cause like, I've just been, you know, really trying to be transparent, um, on L- LinkedIn is kind of like my main channel. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm trying to get onto Twitter more, but, um, I, I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and, mm-hmm just trying to be more open and a lot of opportunities have been thrown my way, which is good, but it's also like, um, not every opportunity works out. Right. So there's something to be said for like, you know, you you really have to churn out opportunities because it's like cold outreach. It's a numbers game, right? Like not all of them are going to work out. Right. So there's been a couple ones, like a couple consulting gigs where like, it just didn't, it didn't end up working out, unfortunately. Um, but I'm actually right now, um, shockingly, uh, considering possibly returning to a job for a bit yeah which which was honestly like really scary for me to admit because again I felt like I had like failed Mm, but when I thought about it I was like you know what like again just coming back to the whole idea like you know one of the biggest mistakes I made when I left my job was saying like I'm quitting my job to start a company I think mm-hmm. that was such a big mistake because I just set yeah. myself up for the worst failure and mm-hmm. and I'm still struggling I literally wrote this in my newsletter today I'm still struggling to forgive myself for not like meeting that ridiculous goal which is so stupid but mm-hmm. I kind of set myself up for this stupid like goal right and so walking back from that has been really tough but I think my biggest conclusions are you don't build a business overnight, you right. know, sometimes it takes time. Some people build it at 40, some people build it at 60. Right. And mm-hmm. I think I I've, I'm at a point now where I've learned enough skills about how to build products on the side, how to launch and how to like market stuff and mm-hmm. build up my own distribution that I think I'm comfortable doing it on the side before it was like a landing page would take me three weeks. So I was like, I can't, yeah. I need to just like take a break from the corporate world, like figure out what the hell is going on here. But now I'm way more knowledgeable. I have a bigger network. I kind of know like how to do this stuff. Um, and I think there's something for me to be said, like, you know, maybe if I put myself back in a job, maybe I'll experience some problems and that'll inspire me to start a business or I'll mm-hmm. witness some problem or something. And, and I think my biggest thing is really that, you know, I, I had this like really, really just like bitter view of the corporate world and I left and I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, fuck the corporate world. Like I'm never returning. Like it's just the worst. And, yep. and I've, again, like, honestly, it, it's wrong. Like maybe some people feel like that and I felt like that, but I've decided like, I, I don't feel like that. And mm-hmm. Again, if I were to just, I couldn't just be stubborn and and care too much about what other people thought. I'd be like, no, I can't return to a job now. Like I haven't built a company yet. Like it's not okay. But I'm like, you know what? Like it's not about other people. It's about me. And and 
maybe I just want to go back to a job for a bit, right? So I'm kind of trying to figure out, like, yeah. do I go back to a job? Do I want to do another, like, round of, like, testing an idea just on my own? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's kind of, like, some of my thoughts. Um, the other thing that I have upcoming, which I'm super excited about, is I'm actually opening my first Amazon store. Oh, yay. Week. That's awesome. Yeah. What yeah. are you going to have on the store? Um, so one of my friends, uh, does a lot of like arbitrage. So he sells Mm -hmm. like between marketplaces on Amazon. And so he's kind of like infected me with the e-commerce bug and he's kind enough to actually kind of like train me on it and stuff. And so I thought, you know, I've always wanted to get into like drop shipping and that whole thing. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to start that next week. It probably, I don't have any products in mind. I'll probably just like sell a bunch of them and just see Mm kind of like what, what wins. But again, I think, the important thing is, is just keep doing new things. And I think for me, it's been a year. I've done a lot. I'm really proud of what I've achieved, even though I give myself shit for it. But I think, you know, I'm like, yeah, like, I, I want to try something new. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I feel like I've been doing a little bit of kind of like the same stuff. And I just want to switch it up. So I'm going to start this Amazon store. Maybe some ideas will come out of that, maybe just yeah. some side income, and then debating kind of what I want to return to for a job, which is exciting too, because I'm actually debating kind of like a career change. I don't know if I want to go back to the product management. So that's like a whole yeah. experience on its own. So, yeah. That's all very exciting. Um, I think it's interesting that you talked on getting a job and seeing it as a failure. I, I too was contemplating getting a full-time job and my situation did not work out for multiple reasons. Um, I actually had the job offer and had accepted and it felt like I was selling my soul, but it was because it, the, it was not the right fit for me. I I feel the same way you did. You know, I was very kind of burnt out from corporate. I was like, Oh, I can never go back. And I go back and forth all the time. Sometimes I think I know I would work less if I was in a corporate job, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. you have less responsibilities. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people on the, the show and most everybody has a full-time job and then just works, you know, a few hours a day on their side hustle and yeah. they're tired, but they seem to have a nice balance. Mm-hmm. And there's a, um, a guy by the name of Sean West. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter at all, but he talks about, you know, having the needs of money met first and to always meet that. And you mm-hmm. should have a job that covers the bills, covers all of your expenses. So money is never an issue, but it shouldn't be where your passion is. Mm-hmm. If you truly mm-hmm. want to start a business, it should pay the bills. It'd be something you're good at and you enjoy, but not your passion so that you're mm-hmm. not mixing those two things. Yeah. And I think that's really smart, sound advice. Um, mm-hmm. So check him out on Twitter, Sean West, and yeah, he's written yeah. a whole book on it. Um, nice. But yeah, so I always go back to that and I think, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having a job. Like money makes the world go round. <laughs> it's I like just that. how it yeah. is. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, like your, I like your advice. You actually touched on something really, really interesting to me, which was um, – the job you you kind of had in mind and then you realized it wasn't the right fit it's funny because I basically got connected to this company that I'm kind of in in chats with right now to potentially maybe work out like a contract or maybe like a full-time thing down the line and the only reason I'm talking to them is because one of my connections on LinkedIn like connected me randomly and he was like hey I don't know if you're looking for opportunities right now but like you know you might maybe you want to chat with these guys and honestly, when he said that to me, I was like, I'm not looking for opportunities, but I was like, I'm open to a conversation. Maybe Absolutely. I can work with these guys in the future. Maybe like, 
they'll have a startup down the line. It was literally like a conversation. I was going into it and I was like, I'm not working for a job. Like, I'm not going to say that, but like, that's how I feel. Yeah. But when I chatted with the founder, like he was just so awesome. I love the industry that they're in and it's super cool. And like, I love the way they built up the company very lean and it was like, and, and like, it's in a different, different field than I was before, which I never considered, but it's really interesting. And I was kind of like, it just like hit me like a bus. And I was like, oh my God, like, I kind of do want to return to the corporate world. And honestly, it's, it's all about finding the right opportunity. Cause yes, I was looking for it. I was like interviewing for jobs last year in May, like a couple months into, into quitting my job. Cause I think I was contacted by someone and, and it just felt wrong. I was like, mm, like, and again, I went through the interviews and then at one point I was just like, I pulled out. I was like, it doesn't feel right. Like the timing and the job, but like yeah. when you find the right thing and, and that's the thing, it's like life, you know, you can't time it. Like, you know, right. find the opportunities that you like, if you don't like them, move on to the next thing. But if it's the right thing, like the important thing is not to stay really like rigid and like no but like yep. this wasn't what I planned out it's like yeah life is unplanned if it looks cool you think it's the right time just go for it like you can always build a business later I think that's the big thing for me it's like I don't need to build it tomorrow nope. I can build it when I'm 50 like who yeah. cares right like that's <laughs> that's the beauty now I have the entrepreneurial mindset I have the skills I'll keep building them and eventually when the timing is right and the opportunity is right, that will happen in its own time too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important what you touched on unplanned. I always say life is like the ocean, just be fluid, <laughs> go with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this chat today. It was so great to hear your story. It was and I can't, so awesome. yeah, I can't wait to see the cool things that you're up to, <clears throat> excuse me, whether well, or not you Sarah. go back to to corporate or, you know, what your, your next plan is. So I think that's going to be great. Where can folks get in touch with you in the meantime? Yeah. Um, so I'm very active on LinkedIn, uh, just Lana Sardich and then Twitter as well. Same thing, full name. Um, I'm also, I have a website, lennasardich.com. Feel free to go on there, email me. Um, yeah, those are kind of like my three main channels. Yeah. Awesome. So I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see what, what you're up to. Thanks, Lena. Yeah, you as well, Sarah. It's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you. We have so much in common and it honestly is like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders to, to have this conversation with you. And it's honestly felt like a like a really, really nice casual therapy session, which I needed. So thanks. Same. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. And that wraps up this week's show. Thank you to our guest for joining us, sharing your journey, your fails, and lessons along the way. If you want to follow along in between episodes, you can catch me on Twitter at Sarah no Socks. And if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help the podcast. Until next time, bye.